Hunting the Wild Chaga Most every winter, I head off into the upper peninsula of Michigan to photograph the snow and frozen waterfalls. On a recent trip, I decided to combine winter picture-taking with a hunt for chaga mushrooms. Mushroom hunting in the winter, you ask? Wouldn't mushrooms be covered with snow? Well, winter is the best time to hunt chagas. In winter, you avoid the black flies and the mosquitoes that plague these forests in the summer months. Bob the turtle would usually jump on a trip like this, but since it was winter and there wouldn't be any black flies, his favorite treat, he chose to hibernate instead. On the other hand, Scott Coyer, uber-wealthy owner of Coyer Candle Company in Midland, Michigan, really wanted to go along. He hadn't spent much time in the Upper Peninsula at all, let alone in winter. Now, on the off chance that you don't know what makes chaga mushrooms so special, here's a quick breakdown. First, they don't grow on the ground like normal mushrooms. They grow on trees, and only certain trees, mostly on white birch, but sometimes on beech trees. What you really need is the white birch. Further, they don't look like mushrooms. They look more like a wrinkly black burl growing on the main trunk of the tree and really stand out against the white bark. Second, they are rare. Some say you find one for each 1,000 trees you examine. Even though I've spent much of my life in the wilderness and in darkness, I have never seen a chaga mushroom in the wild. Third, the chaga mushroom is said to possess medicinal qualities. Those in the know make tinctures and teas from ground-up chagas, and the demand is high. For a combination of winter waterfalls and white birch forests, Ondanagan County in the western upper peninsula of Michigan is hard to beat. We booked a cabin at the Running Bear Resort in Paulding. We got the white tail. Two bedrooms, on-demand hot water, Wi-Fi, a full kitchen, and always toasty warm in the winter months. By the way, the owners can also tell you the best places to go watch for the Paulding Ghost Light if you're out there on night maneuvers. Day one, we decided to select an easy area to start with. We headed over to Bond Falls, which is just a couple of miles from the Running Bear. The waterfall is easy to reach and is surrounded by a forest. And if you know where to look, there are two nice trails that go along that river. We went upstream on one trail for a mile, taking pictures. There were no chagas. Then we went downstream on the other trail. There were no real photo opportunities on that trail, and, as it turned out, no chagas either. By then, it was late, so we headed back to the running bear to warm up and plan for the next day. Day two. Full of enthusiasm, we drove a few miles north of Paulding to the parking area for the Okundikun Waterfall Trail. There are two trails that lead to the waterfall. They say that one trail is fairly easy and goes through the forest. We had been told that the other trail is much rougher but follows the course of the river and was said to have plenty of white birch trees. Since we were well rested, we decided to rough it. Sheesh, roughing hardly describes it. That trail is rough and narrow and steep in places. The going was made tougher by newly fallen deep snow. We didn't really mind the slow going because there were great photo ops and tons of birch trees. Of course, not a single chaga. The waterfall is more than a mile from the parking area, but worth the trip. 
It's one of the few waterfalls where you can walk around behind the falling water if you want to. We went up onto the suspension bridge that crosses the river, paused to take in the scenery, and saw a rare sight. There in the river were ice discs. Big, flat, perfectly round discs of ice spinning in the river. We took the other trail going back, the easy one. It was easier, but it was uphill and into the wind all the way. On that trail, we had an odd experience. We came upon some deer tracks going up the same trail we were on. Just one deer, and the size of the tracks indicated that it was small, possibly a fawn. The oddity came a bit later. As we followed along, the deer tracks suddenly ended. They didn't just turn off or turn around, they ended. We had no idea where this fawn could have disappeared to. Where could it go? Scott speculated that it had actually been a Bigfoot, wearing shoes with deer hooves attached as a disguise. Yeah, sure. And it was probably the same Bigfoot that consumed all the chaga mushrooms because we didn't find any on day two either. Another long, cold day that ended with hot showers, cold drinks, and a toasty warm cabin. Day three. We were kind of worn down from our trek on the Okundikun trails, so we decided to try our look at Agate Falls. This waterfall is also close by the Running Bear and has a nicely groomed trail along the river. It's usually groomed even in winter. The view from 200 feet up on the old railroad trestle is really breathtaking. It was a good thing that the view was awesome because apparently the Okundikun Sasquatch had gotten all the choggers near Agate Falls, too. That night, we updated our notes, posted some pictures, went up the mountain to watch the Paulding Ghost Light bounce around, and declared the western upper peninsula of Michigan a Chaga-free zone. We had had three days of snowshoeing through the forest. The cabin was now piled with sweaty long johns, and it smelled like an NHL locker room. Fortunately, Scott had brought a couple of the awesome scented candles his company is famous for. We lit those babies up, and in no time we had unstunk the place. Pictures from this winter trip can be seen on Facebook and at michiganbackroads.com.